Hi, I'm Laura Akins, and I never, ever listen to Just a Bit Outside. Man, Travis, your wife sounds like a... Just a bit outside. Oh, it's week four. A little late. Yes, but we are here just a bit outside. Harry Doyle Fantasy Baseball's very own... 10-team fantasy baseball podcast. Welcome in to everyone across the world that listens to this Anchor.fm presentation. I'm Travis Akins, and as always, the one, the only, Justin Deering is with me. Justin, how are you this evening? Well, Travis, the uh, weather is turning sour here in the DFW area, but we got our six-year-old Valkyrie soccer game in tonight. And I rushed home as quickly as I could to join you now that you have recovered from your little bit of food poisoning, I believe. Yeah. And we're here and we're ready to talk about the greatest week of the season. Oh, week wow. Week four. When the Tigras righted, wrote, they righted the ship, they would jump back onto the win column and they're going to ride this winning streak to a championship. Wow. Big, One. big, bold words from a one and three team. Not overreacting anymore. Now we're just reacting. I'm trading everybody still. <laughs> Let's get to first pitch. We're ready for the opening pitch. Vaughn winds and fires. It's a strike and we're underway. Good job. Great pitch, man. Great pitch. Do it again. Come on. Let's see it. Got it with those. Yeah. All right, Travis, first pitch is not a sentimental story. It is not something everybody's going to cry about. It is something that has been making the rounds on the internet for the last couple of days, and I would like to ask you listeners and you, Travis, to close your eyes, and for most of us, think back to the days just before your first child was born and think about the panic that was in your life, Travis, before you uh, birthed half a baseball team. uh, (laughs) (laughs) How... Going into that first child, were you scared? I was terrified. Yes, absolutely. Well, there is a father in Philadelphia who is a father-to-be, I'm sorry, and he has gone to the internet to um, ask for help in this new upcoming you know, journey of being a father. And he went to a website that many people who uh, frequent churches – no, it's called meal. It's called meal train. It's okay. where you go in, like when your friends have deaths in the family or when there's babies born. Yeah, Travis, if you were having another child, I would set up a meal train for you, and people from your church or from your community could volunteer to bring food for you, so your family would not have to, uh, you know, cook for a couple days until you got used to being a dad. This father to be wrote on meal train. As the father-to-be, I'm teetering on a fence of emotions. One thing I'm most afraid of is not getting a great deal of sleep and as a result, not being the best frame of mind to offer my wife the support she needs to recover from the childbirthing process. These expecting parents posted a lengthy list of their favorite dishes. They posted the favorite dishes and they posted this on the Nextdoor app and said, if you're feeling neighborly, they didn't go to their church. They didn't go to their parents. They went to Nextdoor. Do you know what Nextdoor is? Yes. Okay. It's the HOA app that you go through and you listen to everybody bitch about what's in your neighbor's front yard. They posted it on there and asked for, hey, if you're feeling neighborly, these are the things we would like. 
Dinner ideas. Lentil sausage and charred soup. Lamb meatball stew with orzo. What? Chicken soup with white beans and kale. Uh, another a lunch idea would be a freezer-friendly homemade burrito okay. or maybe a salmon sweet potato cake with links to the recipe. So it's not, hey, bring whatever you may be making. It was, here's the 30 things we would like over the next 30 days. Pick one and sign up. Wow. Is that too far? Uh, yeah. No, it's absolutely too far. Uh, just be grateful that anyone would bring you anything. But uh, Is it the I, most millennial thing you've ever heard? It has to be. Yeah, it sounds because like Because that's what everybody on the radio is saying. But Travis, it doesn't stop there. Okay, good. Good. <laughs> Our least favorite meals. Alex really dislikes mashed potatoes, but it isn't about it isn't necessarily about the food. We don't need food. Just text me and check and see if I'm okay. Maybe come visit me. Maybe vacuum my house or wash my dishes or walk my dog. That will nourish us as much. We try to avoid sugar whenever possible. We eat whole, simple paleo foods. This guy posted all of this on Meal Train? Yes. Meal tra- and he said, Meal Train is a loose term. We're looking for a check-in train. People to check in on us to see if we need or want anything as we acclimate to our new routine. That might mean a meal or some snacks. Yes. Or it may mean stopping by and walking the dog or doing the dishes or just simply bringing a smile and some conversation. He's, is, Text- is this guy having one kid or is he having like quadruplets? One. Okay, yeah, that's... But yeah. let me cap this off. This is too much. It's one text kid. me text me on the day you sign up to help, and I can let you know what we need. Mm, yes, day of needs. Okay. We could use some food, but we could prefer no distractions. And in that situation, I'll put a big white cooler oh on the side of our my. yard for you to drop your food off in. <laughs> okay, all right, this... <laughs> This this entire episode is about to go into a completely new direction. Travis, this is and the you, most ridiculous thing you, I have ever heard. You, you may start hearing Preacher Travis come out, and it's not going to be a pleasant thing for this dude. This dude, Ike. Oh. Okay, so, you know, I'll be real. We just had a major, major event in our family's life, and we had people offer to bring us food. And in all honesty, I said, call my mom and see what she needs. I don't need anything at my house. Cause let's be real for the next couple of weeks. I'm going to be staying with her to make sure she's okay. Yeah. But never once did I, I should have been like, Hey, could y'all come like check the motor on my boat or, um, or, you know, my mom's moving. Could you pick a room and, and pack it? <laughs> I mean, or we, we uh, don't, we don't try to avoid sugar and we love fast food. So bring it all over, please. They just released a new video game, and I hear there's going to be a long line <laughs> yeah, at the midnight right. release. Or could you go stand in line and get my in-game tickets for me and bring them? But I don't want a distraction. Just leave them in the Yeti cooler that I also need you to provide for my family on the front porch. Could you record in-game for me with your phone and bring it by? <laughs> leave if it in we the cooler. To, if my wife were to pump breast milk and put it into a fake boob that the, the kid could latch on, could you come keep our kid while we went and saw Endgame? Just one night. But just text me that morning and we'll let you know if that's what we need. That's Travis, this is ridiculous. Yeah. I defend millennials 90% of the time because I barely am one. But this time, this millennial has gone too far. 
It's the most millennial thing a millennial has ever done. Oh, but uh, yeah. What was a, that a good first pitch? I, I have no idea. Let us know at Travis Akins and at Deering22 on Twitter. <laughs> that was bizarre. Big story. A that, was, week. that was the best big story. <laughs> it's the best, the best you could come ever. up with. <laughs> I hadn't seen that or heard that. It's pretty good. Big story of week four is, well, a trade. We've had a trade at the end of week four that took place for week five, but we want to talk Christian Yelich traded in a big blockbuster. I think we can use that term, Justin, in a blockbuster deal. Christian Yelich traded from Ebony and Ivory, now a part of Bolding Beavers and heading to the Ebony and Ivory is Jose Ramirez and Aaron Nola. I believe I got all three players in that trade. Justin, initial reactions. Let's kind of let's just kind of break down uh, just initial reactions of the names and the big players involved because all three of those guys that were moved that were moved in this trade between Land and Zach. Those are big time names. This is a blockbuster kind of deal. Well, let's uh, let's talk about Christian Yelich to start off with. I think he found out that Zach wanted to get rid of him and said, you know what, now that I'm traded, I'm going to score 65 points. Um, you know, on paper, this trade, the names involved, these are three huge names in baseball. Aaron Nola last year, one of the best pitchers out there. Uh, Ramirez, obviously a top five player last year. Yelich, MVP of the National League last year. Um, Travis, before I even get into my or my original thoughts, it, I just want to know, at what point in the season are we allowed to start thinking this isn't just a slow start, this may be more of what we're looking at this year? Are we there yet? Yeah, I think we're teetering on that line a little bit. I, I think you have to give the season you know, six weeks or so, but you're starting to see, and you know, especially if you're the analytical type in the baseball uh, the some of the analytics are starting to show some of those uh, those signs a little bit, depending on positive and or negative, and some of those things are starting to slip out a little bit. So I think we're teetering on that point of the season. Well, I so the reason I say that I think that Zach, if Ramirez can come out of this early season slump, and if Nola can become Nola of last year, great trade. Not only is it a great trade. Uh, now, but it's also a, a designation attached to Aaron Nola that came with him for next year, and that's a cheap contract that's easily extended. Obviously, going to happen. You add Nola to Chris Sale and to uh, Noah Syndergaard, and that really locks up that 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 um, that pitching staff. If Chris Sale recovers, he had a thirteen point five start this morning in a doubleheader, so that's twice as good as he's done all season. So, I mean, that's pretty good. Glad to see it happen somewhere else, um, but. <laughs> I am just original and I, I, I like to think of myself sometimes more on the analytical side and have found a newfound love for reading the athletic and their breakdowns of players and things like yeah. that. If you're not if you're not paying for the athletic, you're missing out and find somebody with a student ID that can get Absolutely. you a really, really cheap uh, membership. So I look at it based on what I'm reading from there. And last year it was a perfect storm for Ramirez to do what Ramirez did. Um, and the numbers and the stats are just not lining up this year. 
So this is kind of a wait and see trade for me, Travis. I think uh, Land obviously is excited to have the MVP and a guy who looks like he's ready to defend it and where he win it this year. I mean, what, eight home runs in the last 10 days or something like that, or, or eight home runs last scoring period. Um, but at the same time, he gave up two top players for one top player if they all pan back out. Could it have been an early season overreaction from land to get rid of those two players that were so good for him and so hard to even talk him into getting a trade in early in the season for, I mean, obviously you have to make a move for a guy like Yelich, but um, it's a wait and see for me. I'm not sure most trades we make in this league. It's a long play to see how it works out. It obviously shows that Zach is all in for this year, early season success and goes and gets Chris sale and goes and adds these two other top potential top five to 10 players. Yeah, my 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 reaction is very similar to yours. Obviously, every trade is wait and see. The initial reaction I had to this trade was simply wow. And uh, the names involved uh I think were the big reason for that, but you're talking about the best player not only in fantasy baseball to this point, but in all of baseball and Christian Yelich involved in this trade and Christian Yelich brings a lot to the to the table reigning MVP who's very much going to be in the competition barring any kind of injuries is very much seemingly going to be in that conversation for 2019 so when you when I look at the trade I went wow and then when I really started thinking about this three-player trade and yes you know Lan obviously had to give up but he also got a lot and I think Christian Yelich has emerged as one of those special players that can be, and anytime you can get a, a potential MVP player and one that is performing at the level that he is currently performing, and apparently Yelich just loves Milwaukee because ever since he's gone there, he's he's had this kind of performance. Now he's taken it to another level early 2019, but, but Lane got a lot back in this trade out of this one player. And so when I look at it, you know, I think overall, I think this is a win-win trade for both Zach and for Lan. I think it's clear uh, Zach, especially with the moves that he's made uh, the previous week for pitching, that Zach's all in on, on rebuilding his pitching staff, and he has done that here, right? Aaron Nola, as you mentioned, helps anchor and all a now very stout uh, pitching staff. If all these guys can can kind of get stay on the right track, get back on their tracks, be the players everyone expects them to be. But then he also gets, I think, a buy-low candidate in Jose Ramirez. And again, depending on your analytics, depending on what you see on the field or just how you think about Jose Ramirez, Jose Ramirez at least has the potential uh, of being a top 10 fantasy point gatherer uh, for 2019. Now, projected at number three to start the season. Does he get there? Probably not. But if he can be anywhere near that top 10, then that's another boost for you. It's not Christian Yelich, but you made the boost with your pitching staff now. Christian Yelich for Lan does something that he needed very desperately, which was offense. And now that he's... He listens he to listens, the podcast. It's the power of the podcast. Now you have Yelich, if you're Lan... You have Yelich coming into your lineup, and now you have Lindor back in your lineup. Uh, the Bolding Beavers' offense just got much, much better. And I, and you know, I, I want to see how Lindor does after the injury. But man, Christian Yelich is on a, is another stratosphere with his baseball right now. Uh, so for me, win win. 
I do want to revisit this Jose Ramirez, Ramirez thing because this, you know, just as a quick search as you were talking, this could have been an absolute, and I hate to use this word again because last time we used this word in talks with Lan, we heard text messages <laughs> for the whole week about it, but this could have been a brilliant move by Lan. I'm not going to um, say that. On August 18th of... On August 18th of last season, uh, Ramirez belted his 37th home run of the season. Um, he had 39 on the season. So over the next 38 games, he posted a 165 average, two home runs, and his hard hit rate plummeted like down below like 20%, I think is the number. I can't read this graph. But this isn't just a beginning of the year thing for Lan. This is potentially a... He noticed a trend at the end of the season. He sees a trend now, and maybe people are figuring out Jose Ramirez. And if that's the case, uh, this could have been a great move by Lan. If this is what Jose Ramirez may be for now, if there's a slump, some sort of long slump, or if it yeah. was almost not a fluke of a production, but I mean, he's not a crap player, but he may he may have made a move to get rid of somebody who he sold very very high on the potential of he could be what he was could you say that Jose Ramirez's is current trajectory is on the downslope i would say currently that he is um he is he seems to be going that direction and the yes. current trajectory of Christian Yelich is moving up uh, I, I think it's leveling off. I think it's been pretty similar for the entire uh, last so, 18 so months. So the current trajectories of all these players play into this. I just been yes, wanting to say sure. current trajectory as much as I possibly could right there. Look, yes, Jose Ramirez, there has, has not been the Jose Ramirez of 2018. But again, you know, we're talking about four weeks, really three and a half weeks of Major League Baseball, but four weeks here in Harry Dole fantasy baseball, there is still time for Jose Ramirez to, you know, turn things around. And yes, Christian Yelich is not going to do what he did in week four every week, but land land's got an MVP candidate. And that I think for a team that needed consistent offense, I think he's getting that. And, you know, for Zach, he's getting the pitching and the potential of a, of a long-term third base, uh, guy there that it's I don't know I, again I think it's win-win I think it's a good trade it was two teams looking for two different things and they were able to match up and uh, there you go I think it works out well let's go ahead and move into week four and look at the matchups that were and let's start with that ebony and ivory and that 63 point outbreak of uh of Christian Yelich last week after the trade went down for Zach he took on Wichita White Wolves coming into the game Wichita White Wolves for lack of better terminology had the league by the nuts and wasn't letting go um I mean outscoring everybody by 300 points um just wins everywhere top pitching staff top hitting uh offense productive production but had a down week um a down week that came off of the scary news of jacob Degrom's elbow injury um now it seems to be now that a short stint on the dl or il whatever y'all want to call it will uh will remedy that there's no major thing uh major damage there but also losing aaron judge that week so if you click over and actually look at chris's roster right now um Luckily, he's stacked the way he's stacked, but there's got to be a little bit of a worry coming up about the amount of injuries going on with this team. 
Well, it's definitely, um, it's nothing you, any owner wants and sure the injuries are something you have to deal with, but I think the depth is there, uh, for the Wichita white wolves and, you know, really, unless we see, uh, just uh, an insurmountable amount of injuries and we're talking guys like Arnado Machado and Bellinger, you know, those guys really start going all down at the same time. I think the depth is there to keep Wichita White Wolves in every game. Uh, losing Aaron Judge, DeGrom, who will be back this weekend after today's reports of a good MRI. Uh, I think all those things, yes, you don't want them. And so I think week four was more or less kind of a bump in the road for the Wolves. I agree. I think it was. I don't think it was. Uh, I think, I mean, he wasn't, they weren't going to go 23 and 0 or 22 and 0, however 22. many weeks we have here, you know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but he was, uh, he's going to lose some games. We were hoping it'd be a playoff game, but whatever. Um, Still time. You know, preferably the first one. <laughs> but uh, I, I think that this was a heck of a week for, uh, for Zach as we look just down the list here. I mean, it was, at, it was, Average to above average for everybody on his team production-wise. And then you get to Christian Yelich, and you see the line of 24 at-bats. 10 hits, eight of which were home runs. 16 RBIs. I mean, that's just that's ridiculous. But on the other side, you still had 27 points from Bellinger, 23 from Villar, 20 from Arenado. Manny Machado still hovering down there trying to figure out what's going on there. Aaron Judge, 15 before the injury. Um I don't know if the injury was Monday of this week or not, whatever, but um, 38 points from Trevor Bauer on two starts. It was still 262 points. He just got beat by a hundred. This was a this down week. week of pitching for Wichita White Wolves and a stellar offensive outburst led by Christian Yelich for Ebony and Ivory. And, you know, even without Yelich now on the Ebony and Ivory offensive side of things, it's still an offense that still can put up good points and be competitive. And now with a much more balanced and deeper pitching staff, it'll be very interesting to see how Ebony and Ivory uh, shakes out, I guess, through the rest of 2019. Justin, how about we head to Censored by the Commish against Van Buren Boys, the almighty 3-1 and one now Van Buren Boys, 263 over Blake Censored by the Commish, just 191. Dustin's talking up the text messages a lot. And Justin, I, I think we have to stretch a new muscle here because Van Buren boys are over 500. They are in control of the Rick Vaughn division right now. And I, I guess my question is, is how, how is this happening? Well, every year we say, what's going to happen when the Van Buren boys just have their team click on all cylinders and just all these young guys they've been storing up uh, take off? But then you look and see that it's not so much the young guys they've been storing that are killing it right now. It's the Marcel Azuna that they've traded for, George Springer that they've traded for, and then a couple other guys that they have really pulled uh, you know, pulled up through their system or got signed late in free agency because we do I mean I don't think they would deny the fact that there is many a times we've said why aren't you spending your money why is it, it's not real money no one's gonna you know take it from you but um some of these guys that got on smaller contracts are putting up some killer points and then for Blake it was just you know 57 points total on Wednesday is not a good start <laughs> to the week trust me the Tigers have done it three out of the last four weeks so um it hasn't been a success it hasn't been a recipe for success for us. It wasn't a recipe for success for the uh, censored by the commission this week. Um, the pitching staff over there, is, I mean, 
he's got, I mean, that, that's, that's gotta be something he's gotta be looking at Trevor Cahill, Jack Flaherty and Corey Kluber all go for basically a total of 13 points on the week. Luckily, John Gray gave him 32. Freddie Peralta throws in 3.1 innings. It gets injured, goes out. Cody Allen goes for negative. I mean, 69 total points. It's not the lowest point total from a pitching staff this season. I own that record. <laughs> but um, you don't want 69 points for your pitching staff is not, again, a recipe for success. If I was Blake, I'd be out there looking for some new pitching yeah, arms to go into that Buren lineup. boys, too. Uh, great offensive week. Pitching is decent. Patrick Corbin was obviously the uh, the starting pitcher of the week for them. But, uh, you know, this is one of those weeks where you're just thankful you played who you played. You would have lost five other against five other teams in week four. But you know what? They're three and one. They're atop that Rick Vaughn division, and they are sitting in that driver's seat. Aiken's Army took on Beards of Glory in week four, and this was a close game all week. Beards of Glory in the middle of the week, uh, heading into the week, and we're in the lead, but Aiken's Army comes out on top, 318 over 302 to Colby's Beards of Glory. Justin, you're the outsider here, so tell me what you see in my Aiken's Army defeating Colby's Beards of Glory. I think last Monday, I believe it was, when we recorded a day late because of the return of Game of Thrones, and uh, it's only going to get harder and harder to record over the next month, but uh, we recorded in the middle of Clayton Kershaw's debut, and we were watching the points rack up, and he was pitching really well, and I think we said, let's meet back here next week and talk about a two-star Kershaw and see where we're at. I don't Mm -hmm. think you can be upset with a 31.5 point outburst from Clayton Kershaw in his first week. He actually, if you saw, if you actually watched any of the game or saw any of the highlights, he he looked like old school Clayton Kershaw, just, but just throwing a little slower because he's older. I mean, I mean, obviously as he gets a little bit up older and around longer, the velocities come down, but some of his other stuff was just, just silly. But I think Kenley Jansen getting you 26 points, three saves, um, eight K's over those 5.1 innings. That's a great week for you. Um, but those big names, and this is, I mean, you won. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that this is bad, but Bryce Harper, 24 points, that's great. J.D. Martinez, 21, probably a little lower than you want. Are you worried, worried about Mookie No, I, I'm not worried. I, overall, I would I would like the big guns, the big bats that I have acquired or have, have kept held on to for 2019. I'd like for them all to click at the same time at some point. You know, Trevor Story may be breaking out of his early season funk a little bit. But yeah, Mookie Betts overall has been a decent fantasy player, but not the, you know, not the projected number two point uh, gatherer uh, that everyone expected him to be. But that may be more about just the slump that the, the Red Sox are in overall, not so much the player, which, you know, I, I think the team dynamics or the team funk is affecting the player a little bit. So, no, I'm not worried about Mookie Betts. I think Mookie's going to do Mookie things in 2019. It's just a matter of getting out of this early season, cold weather, all that crap that goes on with April baseball and and seeing how he does it. It's too early to panic on a, on a franchise player like that. Yeah, and I think for for Colby's team, I don't want to ignore the fact that Colby's team went over 300 points and just happened to play someone else that went a little higher. That's a great week for Colby. I mean, if he is looking at competing, 
and which I think he's shown that he is looking at. He's he's staying in this race. He's making moves. He's talking to people about you know calling up Pete Alonso and burning that first year was a move to compete this year. But if this thing goes south for any reason, he is getting production out of people who will not be on his team next year because of contracts being too big that he could bring in a haul for folks. Um, Justin Verlander, 19 points, 8Ks on seven seven innings pitched in that one game he had this week. Uh, some of these other names, 42 points by Eddie Rosario. I don't even know the contract there, but if, if he's not looking to compete, if he's looking to bow out, I know we're four weeks in. No one's looking at that yet. That's one that would be moved because that's a couple big weeks for him. And Steven Strasburg, 37 points on two starts. Um, not sure that a lot of us thought Steven Strasburg would be throwing 19 Ks in 14 innings because the, he is one of the most – what's the word I'm looking for, Travis? He is one of the most interesting <laughs> – I know that's my word I use the most – but players for me because – I I distinctly yep. remember the hype when he came into the league and just how it was. I mean, it was Bryce Harper to Philadelphia-esque of how every station covered every pitch he threw that first year. And I don't think that he's ever truly lived up to all that hype. So for me, this late in his career to still be K and 19 people through 14 innings. It's, it's kind of fun to watch that. And just, I mean, personally, I would love to have him on the team on my team. I don't have the the pieces to go get him, but, uh, Steven Strasburg is an interesting name. In my opinion, Carlos Correa is an interesting name to watch over the rest of the year. If, if it gets to a point where Colby may say, maybe I'm not competing with these top teams. Um, maybe it's time to move some of these expirings and just rake in the prospects and the short, the, the, the players with the long contracts he can control to open up a ton of money for my yeah, favorite hashtag for, 2020. Uh, Beards of Glory, I think they are a competitive team. I think the early going of over 1,000 points already puts them in that, uh, that category. They ha- he has a good team here and good pieces like you've mentioned. And 128 pitching points is not a bad week. Like you said, he's over 300 for week four. But in the rare, especially the first of this year, Aiken's Army's pitching goes goes really well this week, and just happened to you know it just happened to be who you played this week, and uh, you know uh, that's going to be a fun competition that Rick Vaughn division, especially if Van Buren boys keep up with their their winning ways. Royal Ruckus, Beards of Glory, and Aiken's Army all at two and two after four weeks, so. Uh, that division may be a fun one that, to pay attention to. Justin, take us to your Los Tigres and six shooters of week four. The victorious. You mean the victorious yes, Los one and Tigres. Three Los the one-win Tigres. We are back. We are back, and we are happy that Joey Gallo decided to play baseball this week. 43 points from Joey Gallo helped take my team, Los Tigres, to the victory over the mentor beats the mentee. Deering over Brady, 302 to 226. Uh, Travis, again, like you did with me, you're the outsider of this one. Look at this game. What do you see um, that carried my victorious mm-hmm. team to sentence, victory? Because that was a horrible sentence. But um, what was do- – other than the point of I scored 300 points, which is 150 more than I've scored all season, it feels like. What – well, well, for, the, for Los Tigres, both Tigres? offense and pitching went well in week four. And both over 100, 166 on the offensive side, 136 from the pitching side. We hadn't seen that in the first three weeks of the season. And so Los Tigres had 
kind of had the complete game here in week four, obviously led by Joey Gallo, but man, JT really Muto with 34 from the, you know, from the catching side of things. If you can get that out of your catching position, that's obviously a huge boost. Your big off season, big money, man, Charlie Blackman's breaking out. I think that's, that's an indication of more of the Colorado Rockies altogether coming out of their early season funk. And so you add those kind of offensive points into guys like Walker Bueller uh, at 20 plus points. We haven't seen that. And the big man himself, James Paxson, uh, who had two quality starts, 24 strikeouts for those New York Yankees this week. And, and you saw a complete game out of Los Tigres. And on the opposite side here, Brady's six shooters had their first off week and 123 offensive points is nothing to sneeze at, but that's not what six, the six shooters had done in the first three weeks of this season. And you couple that with 103 pitching points. It was just not enough. This 226, that's a good showing, but it wasn't, it wasn't as balanced as Los Tigres and putting it all together. Uh, I, I think if you're Brady, you would have hoped for better pitching performances in week four because that's the downfall here for the six shooters in this week. And and I'll be just for you know looking at my team and what this week, obviously the victory was great. Um, but you know, JT Realmuto putting up 34, Joey Gallo coming back and putting up 43 after. 18,000 strikeouts last week. That's great and everything, but the one that jumped off the page for me this week, and I'm not even going to go to James Paxson with 52 points. That was great. What what excited me the most about this roster this week was Charlie Blackman finally figuring out how to be Charlie Blackman again, I hope. He has not put up a ton of points. It's a five-year contract that I signed, and he's a little bit older because I do recall in preseason talks, we had preseason conversations on this podcast about is Charlie Blackman a five-year player? Unfortunately, yes, he was a five-year player. In order to win him, he had to be a five-year player. So hopefully this is one of those, maybe this is one of those weeks that just that early season slump is over and he maybe start being Charlie Blackman again because I like my outfield of Charlie Blackman, Mitch Hanniger, and Whit Merrifield. And then Chris Davis hitting utility. Yeah, That's sure. four big bats who put up a yeah, lot of and points and again, help out in some of the other years, areas. I think this is just struggling. an off week because you look at the roster construction. You know, this kind of goes back to the conversation we had with uh, Wichita White Wolves. And I, I think this is just an off week, but Los Tigres, your Los Tigres, more than doubles six shooters in the in the RBI department and in the home run department. And uh and in the pitcher strikeout department, almost doubles there. Um, it was just one of those weeks where things were clicking for Los Tigres and six shooters. It was just an off week for them. Last game of week four, Royal Ruckus defeats Lands Bolding Beavers, 255. This is the Facebook and game of the week. This is what I call the toilet the bowl of the week. Yeah. Yeah, Facebook. That's Royal Ruckus finds their second victory of 2019, and Bolding Beavers here fall to their second loss of 2019. Both teams at two and two now, and this is one of those games where they're, you know, in the scheme of things, um, lowest point gatherer at Bolding Beavers at 177 couldn't even get beat Blake in that department, and Royal Ruckus at 255. Outside of the short week one, this is their lowest uh, points of the week and and would have lost to almost uh, every team except uh, they would have lost to every team except, 
<laughs> so except the bolding beavers and censored by the commish. So, um, yeah, this is the Facebook game. And, you know, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but for Royal Ruckus, I think this is an off week for them. Uh, this is just where pitching did not come around in week four and its totality. Well, I, I think as a whole, pitching this year has in the league, not our league, I'm talking the major leagues, has been has been down. I feel like uh, just across the board looking at numbers, yeah, you still have your top fives that are going to be up that, but like Scherzer's not doing Scherzer things right now. Kershaw missed the first. I mean, and these are older names. I realize that there's a young crew of pitchers in there, but even those young guys like Aaron Nola, they're not putting in. But I mean, I just feel like pitching this year has been down across the board for every team, major league level, fantasy level. And that's where these offensive teams are go offensively stacked teams have that shot. This is where the Aikens Army's huge offensive team you've put together can carry a lackluster pitching yes you have to have good pitching to win but in a year that is trending towards pitching kind of being down outside of you know your normal five to ten pitchers um, it could be interesting to see the people who've stacked their pitching side may struggle a little bit and this sent i mean if you look at the beavers at 177 if they had made the trade a day earlier, they still lose by 40 or by 30, 50. I don't know what the number would be um, just based on swapping points in and out. So um, I think that, I mean, 61 points from the pitching staff, you got to hope that Max Scherzer is okay with the injury he's got. He is listed as day-to-day with a rib injury. But you are trading Aaron Nola, who he leaned on hard last year. Garrett Cole gave you a crap week at 1.6. Bumgarner has been surprisingly good for you know being injured for so much so long last year and everything. Uh, last year we said his pitching staff struggled, and this year I've said his yeah, offense is going to struggle. And this point, week his I just pitching staff struggles. Up, I don't know what uh, the hell's going on. Through four weeks of Harry Dole fantasy baseball, the the number one pitcher in points is Trevor Bauer at eighty eight points. How many players are above him? Uh, yeah, just players and points in general. In offense? <laughs> yeah, 15. Exactly 15, 15? above him. 10? Yeah. <laughs> that's good. So tre- oh, the, I didn't look this up. That was a heck of a point, guess. Though, <laughs> is, and I think, that's, I think we see this a little bit every year just in general in Major League Baseball because the season seems to start earlier and earlier, and therefore it's a little colder in a lot of these games. And I think, uh, you know, I don't think pitching has the benefit in the early part of the season. So here, Trevor Bauer is your number one pitcher out of points, and he's number 16 on total points so far through four weeks in 2019. And so, yeah, offense is dominating right now, and pitching is going to be a little lackluster. And so back to the Royal Ruckus point and to the Bolding Beaver point with only 61 pitching points is if you don't, you know, if you don't have the guys collected onto your roster that have the decent or good weeks, uh, you're you're gonna be you're gonna be sunk a little bit. And that seems to be what has happened here for both these teams in week four. Well if you if you scroll back and look at 2018 as a whole, obviously I can't go into where they were at week four, but if you look at 2004, just the top 20 or let's say top 16 
overall point getters for 2018 mm-hmm. for Fantasy Doyle Baseball. It's late. Or did I say Fantasy Doyle? Wow. Harry Doyle Fantasy Baseball. Five, five pitchers ended in the top 16 overall point getters last year. And obviously, I don't think we're going to end with top 15 being no pitchers involved. But I bet if you could find a way to go back and look at week four and week five and week six early in the season, there would be more than one starting pitcher in the top 15 or 16, 20-ish range of... Well, it'll be an interesting week five coming up because week four has even things out by by every measure there is. Wichita White Wolves fall in week four. They are now three and one. Ebony and Ivory found their third win in week four, sitting at three and one. Those two teams tied in the Pedro Serrano division. Van Buren boys sit atop that Rick Vaughn division at three and one. And right below them, you have three teams, Royal Ruckus, Beards of Glory, Aiken's Army, all sitting at two and two. And everything's bunched up in both divisions. Bolding Beavers at two and two, six shooters who, by all measures of points, uh, especially paint, uh, you know, with their points forward, is a better team than their record shows at one and three. And we don't expect Los Tigres uh, to always be sitting uh, two games below 500 and censored by the commission at one and three. At any moment, you give this a week, you give it two weeks. It'll be very interesting to see in the future weeks just how these divisions look. That is our week four recap. Up your butt, Joe Boo. I think that's two weeks in a row you've talked over uh, uh, the, the transition there. Did you want to say something else? Sorry, I didn't know you were transitioning. No, I was just—I didn't uh, know you were transitioning. That's all I want to say. Congratulations on your transition. Week five, Harry Doyle fantasy baseball, Aiken's Army and Royal Ruckus, two and two teams fighting, uh, uh, going up against each other here in week five, looking to be in that second place position. Bolding Beavers looking to get back on their winning ways, which to White Wolves looking to not be on a losing streak. We'll go up against each other here. Censored by the Kamis and the Six Shooters, both looking to get back in the win column. We'll fight each other here in week five. Ebony and Ivory will take on the winning Los Tigres, one and three Los Tigres, both winning teams who will come out victorious there. Van Buren boys, the Cocky Van Buren boys will take on Beards of Glory in Week Five. Justin, I know we're uh, recording a little late this week, and we have a little eyesight there into the early portion of Week Five. But just in general, without the scores we have already, just looking at these matchups, your game of the week. Uh, I'm interested to see the Van Buren boys take on. Uh the beards of glory. Cause you know, Kobe had such a big week last week and the Van Buren boys, like you said, there's some noise being spoke in that group text. I'd like to see if Van Buren boys can continue the winning ways and go on to four and one and, you know, really grab a hold of a, you know, we're going to, we're here to play this year and we're ready to go. And does Colby continue to put up a ton of points and let's see what happens there. And then obviously I think the whole league is interested to see what happens between the two teams involved in the big story this week, Ebony and Ivory and Bolding Beavers playing in two different yeah, games, Van but Buren see how those boys, new players fit into their game, new teams. Uh, I think is that game of the week. And 
after four weeks of Herodo Fantasy Baseball, Beards of Glory actually have accumulated more points than Van Buren boys. 40 more points, but still, uh, that is a neck and neck right there. That should be a fun game if everything goes well. A two-game winning streak for Van Buren boys will take on a one-game losing streak of Beards of Glory, but by all measures, uh, from fantasy points side of things, that is a that's going to be a very close game, a fun one to keep an eye on through the week five, and then I'll go along as well. of of I want to see Ebony and Ivory more than I want to see Christian Yelich, uh, you know, get into the Bolding Beavers. I want to see how Ebony and Ivory uh, take on Nola and Ramirez, but also just see if Ebony and Ivory can continue their winning ways. And if if this team is going to be for real in the playoff sense for 2019, so now I was just going to. Thank I you agree. for agreeing um, with I, me. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, what, what, I agree with uh, what you just said. Who's your who's outside of your game? Who's your Stone Cold Lockem pick of the week? Who's the team that will win Week Five? Six. Six shooters. Six shooters will not have two bad weeks in a row, and uh, with their six starts that they have going up against nine starts, it's going to be a tough thing to overcome, plus one of their first starts has already been a complete crapper. But I am expecting Brady to bounce back from the embarrassment of getting beat by an old man. I'm going to pick Wichita White Wolves. Um, So we shall see how that goes. Pick them of week five. I think the Wolves... uh, obviously are better than they were in week four and they're playing one of the uh, lowest point teams so far in 2019 and uh, at any moment Wichita White Wolves could be back in the 300 area very easily so week five is upon us and we are ready for more of the greatness that is Harry Doyle fantasy baseball Justin any wise and parting words for our growing Anchor.fm audience. Uh, follow me on Twitter and uh, at, at Deering22. And I've got I've to go to my first lacrosse game tomorrow night. Um, so if anybody feels like um, they want to help out this lacrosse person-to-be, I've signed myself up for a meal train and have listed my 35 favorite restaurants and exactly what to order but be sure to call me before you come over because um, I may just want you to so, leave them on my front porch. Uh, I may not want to actually yeah, see your I'll face. I'll sign up. But I'm trying to get into a lacrosse fantasy league right now, so I think that'll be fun. I, I'll, I'll do some scouting for you tomorrow night.